0: Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. got excited reading today. I was reading about the transfiguration uh, in all all three of the synoptic gospels, and and, uh, we see it in Matthew chapter 17. In Mark chapter 9 and Luke chapter 9, which is when Jesus took three of his disciples up the mountain and they saw him in his glory. We're going to read about it here in just a second. And uh, in all three of these passages, he had just finished telling them about taking up their cross and following him. And I saw some things, like I was reading, I read all three accounts uh, a few times today and there's couple things about it that made me laugh that we'll that we'll share here in a minute it's not not that it's a funny story or anything but you'll see what i mean i think let's just go ahead and read it we will read it uh, out of mark's gospel which i think i said yeah chapter nine and in all three of these uh all again all three of the synoptics matthew mark and luke jesus uh peter has just confessed jesus as the christ and uh Peter, uh, Jesus, uh, Peter acknowledges that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus has foretold his death to his disciples. Peter has rebuked Jesus for suggesting that he's going to die. And then Jesus has rebuked Peter and Satan for, uh, for this idea and for voicing it. You will see, I think you'll agree, that if you read the Gospels, you'll discover that Peter has uh, an impulsive streak. You know, he'll say things that just pop into his head. He's trying to be bold. He's trying to please the Lord, and his heart's in the right place. Uh, but, you know, he's the guy, In a sense, sometimes it's good. Hey, Jesus, if it's you, call, call me out, and I'll walk on the water with you. Uh, please, Lord, you shouldn't be washing my feet. Well, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in the kingdom. Well, then don't just wash my feet. Wash all of me. Uh, he, he's the one who cut off Malchus's ear in the garden, you know, trying to defend Jesus. Uh, He's the one who said, uh, "Ah, if everyone else denies you, Lord, I'll be the one guy that won't. And here, oh, Lord, no, no, no. You're not going to die. Not on my watch. Don't even talk about it. And so anyway, here's what Jesus says after this, after everything we just talked about. We'll begin in Mark chapter 8, actually, beginning in verse 34. Mark 8, 34, when he had called... When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Assuredly I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death. Till they see the Kingdom of God present with power now, just a quick comment they we'll do a teaching on this someday. I don't have time to address it completely tonight, but this he just got through talking about uh you know uh in fact, one of the other, I think, in Mark, there's a, there's a specific, or in Matthew, there's a specific reference to judgment. And so, if you kind of read it quickly, it's, it looks like he's saying, "Hey, one day in the last day at the second coming, whatever, we're going to be standing before the judgment seat of Christ." And there are some of you here today who will not taste death before that, which makes it sound like he's that Jesus thinks he's coming back in the lifetime of some of these men. Well, that's not true, as we're going to see here. They're going to they're going to go up this mountain and see something that only Three of the disciples get to see, and it's a pretty common, uh, widely, uh, it's widely interpreted that this is what Jesus is referring to. Some of you are going to see me coming in power and glory, and just so happens it happens six days from when he said that. Uh, doesn't necessarily even mean that. If you look at his words, uh, he's talking about jesus is talking about he himself receiving the kingdom and so that was really fulfilled when he said to them later on all authority has been given me in heaven and on earth so anyway don't don't get tripped up over that is all i'm saying So yeah, in verse 1, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now, verse 2, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Remember, Jesus walked the earth as a man. He had laid his glory aside. In terms of his identity, yes, he's the son of God, he's God the son, but he wasn't this bottled up godlike being in flesh. He had laid his godliness aside and taken on humanity. Uh, he was transfigured before them. Verse 3 His clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. So this, when we talk about the transfiguration, what they're now seeing is Jesus as God. He's in this moment, back in this glorious realm, where he's actually conversing with Elijah and Moses, and he's shining. This is uh, Jesus momentarily inhabiting this glorious realm again. Then, verse 5, Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one of the things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. <laughs> now, the counts, all three of them, are for all intents and purposes identical. There are minor variations in detail, and Luke says eight days instead of six. Matthew and Mark say six days. Luke says eight. Don't get hung up on that either. It would be kind of best explanation I've seen of this... Uh, It'd be like if you witnessed a car accident on a Monday, and uh, a week later, someone questions you about it, and they say, when did it happen? Well, if it happened on a Monday, and it's the next Monday, there are only six full days in between when it happened and today. But if you count the Monday it happened and the Monday you're telling the story, it's eight days. That's probably the best explanation, okay? Plus, Luke says, about eight days. So again, don't go, aha, I found a mistake in the Bible. The whole Bible's trash. We know better than that, right? So Luke also includes an important detail that he tells us what Elijah and Moses are talking to Jesus about. They're talking about his death, talking about the crucifixion. And this is fascinating to me because Elijah was taken up without tasting death. Moses went up onto a mountain and died. You know, we don't doesn't show us the the detail, but he went up onto the mountain to die peacefully. And they're talking with Jesus about the ordeal he's about to endure. I wish that we had a detailed record of exactly what the conversation was. And I do kind of wonder if Peter had kept his mouth shut if they could have heard They could see him talking with Elijah and Moses. But as soon as as Peter sees this, he didn't know what to say. But he says something anyway, doesn't he? And it's interesting to me also that Matthew and Mark use this this terminology. Peter answered. There's another detail in Luke where it says they, they, they uh, they were overcome with sleep. And when they were fully awake, Peter said... It's like as soon as he sees what's going on he has to talk but it's interesting i like this peter answered who's the answer nobody's talking to him he's, he's what's he answering he's just answering the situation something's happening and he has to say something this is good this is a good thing and i get his zeal i appreciate it let's build some tents here let's don't rush this thing let's you guys moses elijah get comfortable let's hang out a while let's stay here and the very next thing In all three accounts is God inhabiting this cloud that descends and then speaking from this cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And do you know what I really think is happening here? And I'm not being facetious. I think what God is really saying is shut up and listen. You don't need to talk. You don't need to speak in front of a move of God god wants god's saying you need to hear what jesus is saying so you don't need to be talking right now do you ever find yourself in a situation have you ever found yourself in a situation where you desperately needed to say something to god or felt like you needed to say something to god but you didn't know what to say maybe you were in a panic and most of us most of us have been there at one time or another and inside you're screaming you feel like you need to do something to get god's attention and you feel like you need to explain everything to him so that he'll understand just how urgent the situation is but first we need to hear him i've spoken before about how it's important i believe to spend time in prayer listening not just talking uh but this is i'm going to take it a different direction today it's a little more specific if we are going to hear jesus let's look at what the bible says about that and we're going to look at several scriptures tonight so let's kind of move quickly uh, so not a long message, but there's, uh, again, several scriptures. In uh, 1 John 1, not First John, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14 of the same chapter, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. To hear Jesus is to hear the word of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. We're going to read the whole thing. It's short. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And of course we sung, we have sung the first part of that psalm in this in this church in years past. But maybe the most familiar passage in that psalm is that be still and know that i am god but look at the very next passage i will be exalted among the nations i will be exalted in the earth and what i take away from that is don't just don't just be be quiet and think oh well one of these days we'll all be in heaven and everything's going to be okay he's going to be exalted among the nations even among the people who have not acknowledged him he'll be he'll be exalted right here on earth we don't have to wait until we're in heaven to enjoy his protection, to enjoy his supremacy, right? But be still. When, when the nation's raging, when wars are exploding around us, we have to find time to be still. Be quiet, listen, and remember that he's God. Proverbs chapter 4, verse twenty. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Psalm 119. Beginning in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from evil every way that I might keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And you could go on and on in Psalm 119. Carry on there because it just extols the virtues of meditating in God's word. But the idea... the That passage there beginning in verse 97, the the thing that grips me about that is you make me wiser than my enemies. I spend time, I meditate in your word so that when enemies, and I could say the enemies of any circumstance that comes against you that attacks you on any point that opposes the truth of God that's been spoken into your life, what it should encounter is the word that you have been feeding on and meditating on. So that nothing, even if something takes you by surprise, it doesn't take you unprepared. That word is in there for a reason. And one of the reasons is so that you can counter, uh, so that you can quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Every flaming missile that the, that the world and, the, and, the, and that Satan throw at us. We should have a truth in us through meditating in God's word that will counter that. That we can speak back to it with. We're already wiser than those who are attacking us. And that includes our circumstances. And uh, we're getting near the end of the scriptures we're looking at. Of course, I want to look at Psalm 1, verse 3, verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also uh, shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So now we're talking about bearing fruit as a result of meditating in the word of God. In John chapter 15, get back into the New Testament here. John 15, where we starting in verse 1, right? in Galatians chapter 5. A lot of you probably saw this coming. Galatians 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. If we meditate on his word, if we, if, and if we're doing this for the purpose, as we read in Psalm 97, of keeping it doing it the result is going to be we are going to be fruitful we are going to bear fruit and this is god's desire this is the father's desire for us that we bear much fruit and the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control who's that good for who gets to enjoy that fruit you your family the church the world everybody if you're bearing much fruit and this kind of fruit it's meant to be enjoyed and appreciated by everybody that you come in contact with God's first commandment to Adam and Eve were to be fruitful and multiply and I believe there's a spiritual application to that if we bear much spiritual fruit fruit of the Spirit, what this will do is actually facilitate our multiplying ourselves, making disciples. We have to be fruitful disciples before we can make other disciples. If you are fruitful, if you are displaying and bearing the fruit of the Spirit, if you are walking consistently, manifesting love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Guess what? People are going to want that. They are going to want to be around you. They are going to want to be in your presence. And they are going to want to adopt those same habits. They are going to want to bear the same fruit. Not everybody. Remember uh, what we looked at in 2 Corinthians a couple weeks ago. That we are an aroma wherever we go. We smell like Jesus, but guess what? To some people who are absolutely determined to, to stay on the road to damnation and destruction, Jesus doesn't smell good to them. To some, we are the aroma of life. To others, we're the stench of death. Because we, what they're smelling really is their own death, their own destruction. And so don't get discouraged. If you are bearing fruit and people aren't coming to Jesus through your ministry, those people... That's between them and God. You continue to bear fruit. You continue to lead fruitful, spiritually fruitful Christian lives, and some will. Some will. Believe me, some will. Uh, God will orchestrate. Uh, he'll guide your steps. He'll order your steps and orchestrate your life so that you come in contact with people who will go, I like that. That's what I want to smell like. That's what I want my life to be like. I want, who doesn't want? Fortunately, we know. There are people who are offended by the kind of people that are described here in Galatians chapter 5. People are attracted to ugliness, to, uh, you look at the kind of people, Not again, not everybody, there's a wide variety, uh, but, but Hollywood has glorified the mouthy, the tough, the, the uh, disrespectful. And these are things that are antithetical to the spiritual fruit, that uh, Paul's describing here in Galatians chapter 5. But you don't sink to their level. Just because they're turned off by the very things that God designed to turn them on, don't let them drag you down to their level. Don't sink down to that. You just keep bearing fruit. And meanwhile, meanwhile, once you have so saturated yourself with the word of God, once you have heard Jesus in this way, you will not have to worry about what to say or not to say going back to the beginning of this, when you feel like there's something you have to say to God, sometimes you can just be still and know. Other times you can ask what you will, and it will be done for you because you have allowed his words to take residence in you. And therefore you're confident that the prayer you are praying, the things you are saying to God, are in line with the word that is abiding in you. Why? Because you've been abiding in the word. And of course, always, always, we know If we know that we are to pray, we as believers, as spirit-filled believers, can access that wonderful facility of praying in the Spirit where we allow the Holy Spirit himself to pray through us. And we know then that we are always praying God's Word. We are moved in a moment, an encounter with God. Peter. Peter, James, and John on the mountain all saw the same thing, and this was something to see. Interesting to me that there's no indication that any of them wondered who these other two guys were. And this is why, this is why we had t-shirt name badges, right? Hello, my name is Elijah. It really does make me wish there was a record of the conversation. Did Jesus introduce them? Did they overhear him saying, hey, Elijah, hey, Moses? uh, Or were they just made to know? No indication, there was a shadow of a doubt for even a second that this was Elijah and Moses. You know who they represent? Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets, the law and the prophets. Coming together, agreeing, speaking with Jesus, testifying that he is God the Son. we have an encounter like this if you have an encounter like that it's like oh now i've got my this is it boy we're right here in this glorious presence hey while we're all here gotta say something it's moses and elijah it's like you walk into a room and there's a famous person there some people, it's like, guess who I saw today? Other people are like, how can I be this close to somebody famous and not shake their hand, not say hello? So that way I can say I talk to them. Maybe they'll say something nice to me that I can share with somebody. And this is Peter. This is good. And there, what are they talking about? <laughs> they're talking about Jesus' death. Hey, excuse me, guys. This is good. I'm glad you guys and us are all here together. Let's build some tents and hang out for a while. And God says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. We're not here to hear you, Peter. And there's times that all these, sometimes it's an encounter with God. Sometimes it's an encounter with with circumstances. And what do we want to do? We want to go to God and talk about the circumstances. What are we doing? We're allowing the circumstances or our enemies or this attack to speak through us. And God's saying, ah, this is my son. Let's hear him. What has Jesus said about your circumstances, your sickness, your finances, your relationships? What has he said about your lostness, your depression, whatever it is you're fighting? What has he said about your enemies? All authority has been given to me. Hear him. You want to hear him? This is where you start. In the word. Are you saying the Bible's Jesus? I'm saying Jesus is the word made flesh. And once you become accustomed to hearing him this way, it'll be much easier to hear him this way. Because then you have this to measure the things in here or in here against. Sometimes we get, I get an idea. That sounds like a great idea. you ought to be able to line it up with something you've read in the word of God. don't pray your circumstances god knows your circumstances pray the word but to pray the word you've got to know the word and you don't just have to know it it's got to be living in you you've got to be living in it and you know every time of the year praise and worship team you can come up here every time of the year of course is a good time to let your light shine before men. it's what we're called to do right But to tie it in with the Christmas season, I would just say during this time of the year when we are celebrating the entrance of light into the world, the light of the world, let's be especially diligent to be bright, to be shiny. Salty and bright, right? We're salt and we're light, so let's be salty and bright. Let's learn, let's be learning to hear him through his word, through his written word. Let's be silent. Let's be still and know that he is God and listen for that still small voice in us. And at the end of the day, we can be led. We will be led. And when I say be led, I don't just mean he'll help us out with difficult decisions. I mean, going back to something we said earlier, he will lead us to those people who really want what we have, who want to hear what Jesus has spoken to us. He'll order our steps and orchestrate divine encounters with other people so that we can multiply. I get excited about that. I want you to be excited about that. Throw one more thing out here. You can read the Bible and still not hear him. Did you know that in order to hear his voice, to really hear his voice, you had to be his sheep. You got to belong to him. The Bible's not making sense. Maybe you tried to read the Bible and I'm looking at a room full of people I think who know better. I think everybody in here is a believer. But the Bible is a spiritual book and it is spiritually understood. I'm not saying you can't get anything out of it, but you're really not going to hear Jesus until he is your shepherd. This is a book unlike any other book. It is the only book that really has the literal power to transform your life because it is God's Word. But the first step is to submit yourself to God. Recognize that I need a Savior. I need access to God. I need the Spirit in me. I need the Spirit to surround me, to lead me and guide me as I absorb this. And the Spirit can't inhabit an unclean vessel. We're sinful, all of us, born sinful, born with that disease called sin, original sin. And, there's, and, and that sin kills us. So God spoke in the garden, Dying you shall die, the day, eat of, the day you eat thereof, dying you shall die. Spiritual death that we inherited from Adam. I guess I would say it this way, the Holy Spirit is not going to inhabit dead people. I've said this before too. I'm, I'm quoting Ravi. I don't know if he's quoting somebody else. Ravi Zacharias always says that Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men live. So what you need is a rebirth. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. Submit your life to Christ. Recognize that the death he died on the cross was the death that you deserved. We deserved, all of us. Because of all, all of our sin. God took all of our sin put it on Jesus and he died that death for all of us and what he offers what he says in that death is I crucified you in Christ and when I raised him up the offer there is to raise you up in Christ as well but you've got to be in Christ you're the one who makes the decision to be in Christ you make that decision now and you were in Christ on the cross You make that decision now. You are in Christ in the resurrection. And you are in Christ today as he's seated in heavenly places. His authority is your authority. It's my authority. But it starts with your decision. If you don't know Jesus like that, if you don't know God like that, now is your opportunity. And and let the rest of us, and I know that's most of us, be encouraged. Let us be challenged. Let us be diligent let us make a renewed commitment to abiding in the word and hearing Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us your word. Not just the commands to read it, but giving us your precious, life-giving, life-saving, life-changing words. Thank you, Lord, that we are living in a time and a place here where we have ready ready easy safe access to your word forgive us for taking that for granted and not cherishing that and not taking advantage of that and availing ourselves of your word more often stir up in us lord god a a renewed passion for knowing your word meditating in it and applying it in our lives we want to live fruitful lives. We want to enjoy the fruit of this relationship with you and your word and we want to bear fruit that others can enjoy. Make us fruitful, Lord God. Show us what that means. Show us, speak to each of us as individuals. Speak to us as families. Speak to us as a church tonight, Lord God. What we need to do. What we need to do to the soil that we're in. What we need to do to the terms of pruning what we need to submit to Lord we want to be fruitful make us fruitful Lord. and I pray Lord finally tonight if there's anybody in the sound of my voice who does not know you as father who does not know Jesus Christ as savior that they would come to know you tonight I'm asking you Holy Spirit to do what only you can and convict convict the dead of their need for life convict the sinner of their need for righteousness Convince them of your deep, deep love for all of us. The love that sent Jesus to the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Thank you for that sacrifice, Lord. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ.